0: Hey, listeners, welcome to the Intelligent Conversations, where we believe that everyone has a form of intelligence that resides within them. We invite guests from various backgrounds to share with you what makes them unique. Our hope is that you and I can learn and grow together. Without further ado, welcome to the show. Hey, everyone, welcome back to the Intelligent Conversations podcast. Today, I have the honor to speak with Bill Cushing. Bill is a retired college English instructor. Bill has been everything from a shipyard electrician, bartender, cabbie, and sales rep. Bill also enlisted in the Navy during the Vietnam War. So Bill, thank you for coming on today. I'm excited. I mean, the jobs that I just listed off there, that's that's awesome. Quite a variety there too. So I think I want to open with this though. What kind of was the journey to you becoming an English instructor? What kind of happened? How did you get there?
1: That's funny. By the way, I do want to make one clarification. I, I never like to claim to be a Vietnam vet. I was a Cold War vet. Uh, when I was in the Navy, we were because remember during Vietnam, you also had the Cold War going on. And I never went to Westpac. Never approached Asia. I was all on the off the East Coast, chasing Russian submarines and stuff like that. You know. I mean, not that it wasn't tense, but uh, it wasn't be enough, uh, so um, I always thought I got off pretty easy, actually. Um, but yeah, it's funny because I came from a fairly upper middle class background. And of course, the expectation was you graduate high school, you go to college and you become whatever you want to become. Initially, my now my dream job was I wanted to be young. I was from New York, lived in the city. Well. In the city suburbs, but um wanted to be a sports writer for the New York Times. That was what my goal was. And I started at the University of Missouri, and I had a very good time that first semester, so much so that I flunked out. Uh so, so I was facing a couple of things. My draft number was low. You know, they were taking people left and right, and I said, look, I better do something. Well, I come from a Navy family anyway. Uh, In fact, I'm actually named after William Barker Cushing, uh, who was a pretty big name in the Civil War in the Navy. And and his brother was Alonzo, who I don't know if you're familiar with that name, but he just got the Medal of Honor back in, it was under Obama. They finally awarded him the Medal of Honor because he died during the Battle of Gettysburg. Um, So, you know, you you have these two brothers that were these massive Civil War heroes, basically. But I was named after William, and my dad was in the Navy. And I said, Well, Navy seems the best way to go. So, uh, and and it's funny because I went in there thinking, Well, they have a journalism course, so I can, I shouldn't say continue my journalism training. That assumes I ever really started it to begin with, Uh, given all the classes I cut. I don't think you can say that. Uh, But I went in thinking, oh, I'll join the journalism corps and I can get my training there. And I get into boot camp and I go through the battery of tests and all that stuff. And I sit down with the guy. He says, What do you want to do? I said, I want to be a journalist. And I guess about three minutes later, after he stopped laughing, he said, No, we don't need journalists. Okay. What do you want to do that's useful? I was like, Well, what am I qualified for? my dad was an engineer i'd worked for him you know my mechanical skills were pretty good so i ended up going into electrician school and liked the work and i've always had and when i got out i continued it and uh, then basically started school at i was 38 i think before i started going back to school and i have to say i have to credit one of my good friends she kept pushing me. She says, "Look, you got to go back to school. You got to go back to school." And I kept resisting. Oh, look, I like my job. I'm, I'm I'm happy with the work. I'm getting paid fairly well. Well, granted, it's not steady all the time, which is why I end up bartending and driving cabs and whatever. But um, but when you're working, the work is good. But then a couple of those incidents occurred that convinced me that yeah, you know what, this kind of work eventually something bad's going to happen. And the longer you're on the job, the worse that's what I'm thinking it'll probably be. So I figured, yeah, time to get out while I'm still in one piece. Initially, I went back. I was going to be a history major, um, probably majoring in Russian studies, Soviet studies. Here again, I'm a Cold War baby. That was just my background. Also, it's a fascinating nation to me. Uh, but then I got sidetracked. I had a, an instructor who liked the way I wrote kind of pushed me into that. And I ended up uh, becoming an English major later on. So that's sort of the thumbnail. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
0: that is, that's an awesome story. And I mean, you kind of mentioned that you went back to college at se 30, 37, right? 38, 38 uh, my bad. Uh, so 38. I mean, that's not too many people do that. So, I mean, you kind of mentioned that a little bit like, Some of the stuff like job security, maybe some of the conditions, what were kind of like, what kind of eventually pushed you to like, say, Hey, I'm going to head back and get this degree. Well,
1: um, one thing actually happened to me, I was working on a, uh, specific type of ship and we were putting in a 650 amp breaker, which is pretty high current. And, um, when we got done, I was working with my boss and when we got done, I said well i got to go to the bathroom so i left the ship because we had to go to the yard to get to to the bathroom i come back on board and everybody's going what happened to chris i said what do you mean what happened they just took him off in an ambulance well he decided to test the thing on his own without me there the thing blew up there was a faulty wiring it was nothing we did but this 650 amp breaker blows up on this guy and he told me when I went to see him in the hospital, he got burned pretty badly. I mean, his face and shoulders. And he told me, he says, look, if you'd been there, you wouldn't have survived because they give me a better hard hat. <laughs> I'm protected. Yours would have melted right on your head. And I was like, oh, that's real comforting to hear. And then about a month later, a really good friend of mine died on the job. And this guy was like the safest worker I'd ever run into. I mean, he was... He was the example of of safety. And I was like, "Eh, if he can get killed, I can get killed. So maybe it's time. So what I did was I actually, I secured a job locally. I was in Jacksonville, Florida at the time. Got a job as the building engineer for a retirement home. Uh, Got the midnight shift, which is perfect for a student. Uh, And then started going part-time and eventually worked my way into a full-time gig going to school. So you just think... As I said a little earlier, most of the things that happened in my life have been by accident. So, just sort of fell into things as they opened up.
0: Wow. That's you seem to be no stranger to change. Like <laughs> it's just like, oh, you know what? Like things aren't going the way maybe I planned and like looking back, would you say that most of the things that you had planned actually happened or did you just kind of like say, "Oh, well, things changed."
1: I am writing now, so that sort of happened. It's not the sports like I originally intended, but that's fine. I'm, I'm doing my own writing. And I'm still teaching a class. I'm getting ready for one this fall just to keep my hand in it. But I, I retired officially some years ago. Uh, but I'll pick up a class once a year just to... I love the teaching. of You know, as long as it's not four or five classes in one shot, I'm good.
0: Is it is it just like the students or like helping others? Is that kind of why you like teaching or is it the actual material?
1: Well, here's the thing. I'm convinced that most people who get into teaching either if they hadn't been done that, they either would have been a preacher or a stand-up comedian. Um, <laughs> and so I think it's that combination. I just like delivering the material in my own way. Um seeing what sticks i mean you're not going to connect with everybody and you know you go in knowing that but you know when when you get people who actually learn something from you and and i would like to go and say look i I do have something to offer you and and this is what it is uh you know i'm not good at a lot of things but this is something i'm fairly good at so you know I, i like to think my advice in terms of writing is pretty solid
0: so i mean i guess we can kind of we can go down that route I, so kind of give you an idea of my audience, a lot of these kids are making like big decisions. They're like 18 to 24, right? They're deciding, what am I going to do with my life? Am I going to go into trades? Am I going to go? You have a lot of experience there. Let's say there's someone out there. They're kind of interested in writing, similar to what you were uh, talking about. What would kind of be your advice to kind of get into that field and be the best writer there is?
1: First of all, you, you mentioned trade. I think everybody should have a trade or a craft. I think that's really a good idea, whether it's cooking, plumbing, carpentry, something, because it's always good to have something useful to offer. Uh I, I find it interesting because I did teach high school for a number of years while I was working on my master's. And I remember I, I always loved this story as uh, girls in my senior class came up to me. We we're talking one day, and she said something about, well, I, yeah, I feel so stupid. I said, Why? She says, Well, I haven't decided on a major. I said, She says, I I haven't picked a major yet. And I told her, I said, look, when I was 40, I just started university and I still hadn't picked a major really. So if I don't know what I'm doing at 40, don't put so much pressure on yourself at 18. (laughs) And that's one of the things, my biggest piece of advice that I would give somebody just coming out of high school is if you think you know what you want to do, you know, whether it's law, business, science, medicine, whatever. Take a year off and go work in that field. Now you'll probably only be sweeping up or running for coffee or, you know, stapling things or whatever. But you'll get an inside look at that industry and you can decide, do I really want to live with this for, you know, thirty, forty years of my life? I think that would have been now with me with the journalism, I knew I wanted to do it. I I had done some part time and of course high school newspapers. And even when I was in school, I went back to the, you know, college and was on the newspaper, even though at that point I wasn't a journalism major, but it was something I knew and enjoyed. Uh, In fact, what you're doing right here was to me, one of the most fun parts of journalism was interviewing. I love doing interviews, but uh, but yeah, that would be that's always been my advice. Look, if you don't have to go to school right away and, and really you don't, take a year and go work in the field you think you want to spend your life and see how you like it. You might, you might learn that, you know what, this
0: is maybe not the best option. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, I actually kind of agree. I think that's a really good advice. I, something I like to use is so like some people have actually asked me like, Hey, what, what should I do? And something I've seen on social media, which I think is actually kind of terrible advice. They're like, don't go to college. It's a waste of money. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like there's still people that go like, I would prefer my doctor went to college type of thing. Like (laughs) I would prefer my lawyer went to college as well. Right. right? But I'm like kind of similar to what you're saying, go experiment in that field and say, Hey, do I like it? Is this something I want to do? And then special, like begin to specialize as you get older and go back to school.
1: I got in. I knew what I wanted to do was teach. Cause it was that i said that a friend of mine who kept pushing me back to school she said look you love talking about music you love talking about art you love talking about books you'd be perfect for a teacher I said, yeah, yeah. well after 20 something years i don't know if i'm perfect at it but yeah it's certainly something i enjoy
0: that's cool you, i mean eventually right you found what you liked and you ended up heading down that route and
1: yeah yeah not that i didn't like what i was doing before i, I loved working on shifts i thought that To me, it was like, I'm a kid working on a full scale model here. (laughs) I'm building whatever I'm working on, whether it's an oil tanker, an aircraft carrier, a submarine, fishing boat,
0: I don't care. I'm
1: actually producing something.
0: So you helped like build like naval ships during like.
1: Well, there I did mostly, you know, repair replacement stuff. uh, Yeah. With the naval ship, the oil tankers. I worked for a company, the, the company I worked for the longest. And I was with them for about five years, probably. Uh, they basically bought old ships and just gutted them and rebuilt them. So that's what we would do. We would take the ship for about a year and just tear everything out, clean it out, and then rebuild it and you know bring it up to standards and you know what these guys wanted.
0: That's that's cool. I, I didn't even know that industry even existed. <laughs> like that's that's something right? Like. I feel like we're almost unaware about all the things that are around us. And so I kind of want to get into like more of the the writing side of things. I, f- I feel like people, regardless of their industry, they got to learn how to write, speak, and present <laughs> effectively. So what would kind of be... what What's something you... First, all right, I kind of have like two questions here. But like, what would be the most common thing you see that like people make in errors in their writing and then number two how can you solve and like fix and improve your writing
1: well okay the number one error i think in writing is is something that we sort of get drilled into us as kids if you're not going to do it right don't do it at all and the one thing i always stress to my students like you're not going to start with a finished product. forget that it's never going to happen the first draft is for you And you alone is just to get the stuff down there. It probably is horrible. (laughs) Just go in without it. You're going to. And then the solution is be willing to go in there and tear it apart and look at it and really examine it. One of my favorite quotes, and I, I wish I knew who said it, but I love it. Is what is it? Write without fear, edit without mercy.
0: Uh, i like that and
1: i think that's the best piece of advice you can get on writing is yeah i also like a good friend of mine who was a he was a a poet as well and you know we both were involved in that gig um but i always loved what he said he said a writer's never satisfied he just gives up (laughs) he gets so tired of looking at you just go well it's going this way i can't deal with it
0: so it's it it's kind of like a I mean, it's similar, right, to life. It's that continuous process. You're, it's never, you're never gonna have like the perfect, the perfect essay or the perfect.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, no, you, you're always gonna you. And I was here again, told my students, say, look, you go back and pick up a, a paper you wrote three or four years ago, and you you read it now, and you'll probably think, how did I get away with this? <laughs> um, but. Uh, and the other thing I always love to say to my classes is, is, you know, what version of the writing do you give to the instructors? And that's what they're worried about is classroom writing. And normally the answer is the final draft. I said, no, it's just the last one you got to because there never is a final draft. Uh, now, there are some things that I'm more satisfied with than others. But I always find if I pick up something I wrote a few years ago, and I, went, you know what, I'm going to change this word or that word or, you know. Jig or something or other uh, i think that's why i like writing though is because it really is there is no such thing as perfection uh especially in that field i, I think there's some who get close to it but you're not going to see many mode parts in them
0: no i i think you're i mean that's kind of a cool so i'm kind of like I, I like applying things to like real life so like you can take anything and then put it in but writing, right, it's it's a journey, right? You, you're you never going to be perfect in your life. You're going to mess up in your own life. You're going to mess up in some of the things you do, right? I mean, yeah, you laugh as I do that. I'm like, yeah, you're going to... So I kind of want to get your perspective on this. So especially kids my age, especially with the day and age of social media, and they see that perfection, right? What's kind of your take on that? Like, How would you help them realize, like, hey... You're still learning. It's okay, right? Take that year, right? You don't need to be this ultra, ultra successful person by the time you're 20 or whatever. Take your time and success will slowly come well, I to I think
1: in writing, that's one of the things that I've always pointed out. Is that Now, granted, I started much later than most others. But even if you look at the best writers, they didn't really hit their stride till their 40s or 50s. I mean, whether it's Stephen King or... Uh, You know, uh, well, Anthony Burgess is the one my favorite. John, well, John Gardner was interesting. I've always loved his stuff, The American. There's a British John Gardner who wrote Mysteries. I don't know him. (laughs) But there's an American novelist named John Gardner, who I thought was probably one of the best American writers around. He died at 48. And all I kept thinking was, man, if he'd made it into his 50s, given the quality of the material he came out with up to that point, I would he would have been like Jimi Hendrix to me. (laughs) Just think what he could have done if he'd lived for a little longer. But yeah, I I think, you know, you you do the best you can, but the thing is you got to be willing to go in there and find the flaws and, you know, and admit to them. That's probably the toughest part of it is, you know, admitting that, yeah, what I'm doing here just ain't working.
0: Yeah. I, I think you're right. I, especially, kind of like taking that accountability, right, and saying, hey.
1: Now, social media, it's interesting you mentioned that because uh, I don't think social media has really helped writing a whole lot because it is so spontaneous. Uh, It does tend to be off the cuff, you know, where you're reacting immediately to whatever's going on. Uh, So, yeah, it's funny, I had a, a woman one time mentioned to me that she found out I taught writing. and She says, oh, you must love Twitter. I said, well, I didn't have an account. Uh, she's like, "What's well, a new word oh, for I'd argue with that. Um, it's a good way to argue, but it's it's very spontaneous. Uh, it's really not. It's generally you're either preaching to the choir or you're just going against somebody, what I find.
0: Yeah, I I think you're right too. Twitter, Twitter is an interesting because like each platform has like their own thing that they kind of focus on. Whereas Twitter is kind of you know the typing and, bam, it's just words on a screen. And I'm like, I could see why that lady came to you and said, "Hey, this is modern day writing type of thing." Yeah, but I, I'm <laughs> it makes sense. I'm sure but
1: there are plenty of people would defend that position. Right? Like, yeah, you know, to me, writing. Well, and and this is one of the things I insist on: is writing is craft before it's art. And granted, yeah, I look at it as an art form, but that's my gig. But I think most people look at it as craft. And what's you know what what is it you always hear when you're working with uh, wood? Measure twice, cut once. Um, You know things like that. So it's this idea of craft denotes craft to me means mechanical skill now mechanical skill does not happen overnight i mean i think well here again we are talking a little early about basketball if you got a turnaround jump shot you didn't start with that you had to practice like crazy so when you see somebody who does that well are they doing it in the instant well yeah at that moment they are but they got 15 years of practice behind
0: that no i think that's that's great advice too like especially on the Twitter side of things, most people, right, they just tweet out whatever's on their mind in that instant, right? And oftentimes, right, maybe they go look back at that 20. I'm actually so interested to see, like, 20 years from now, like, we look back on some of our old accounts because I'm sure things will change, new platforms will come out and stuff. But uh, I'm interested to see, like, people go back and start reading some of those things they post and be like, wait, wait why did I do that (laughs) exactly right it's why did I do that and I think you're right it's that and like the craft the practice that the stuff you put behind that really show it's funny
1: because that's uh, I think one of the advantages of being part of my particular generation is there's not much of a written record of the stupid things I've done (laughs) (laughs) you know short of being arrested for something yeah you pretty much you know whatever you did you got away with um now you don't have that luxury.
0: No. It, that's actually something uh, my aunt actually told me. She was like, Yeah, I'd hate to grow up in your guys' generation because everything's documented. <laughs> like everything. She's like, You you go out in public and do some even just the smallest thing that's stupid. Someone's recording or someone's got a camera hidden. Like, yeah. You're you don't have like you said, it's kind of a luxury and it it almost kind of forces us to be perfect and kind of trying that stuff that we,
1: I think also, I would say also it forces you to not dare. And I think that's a problem I would say. It was like, if it weren't for my screw ups, I wouldn't have what I have, you know, in terms of my knowledge, whatever you want to call it, my experience. Uh, in fact, that would a...
0: I, I agree. That's, that's something I, I know, think
1: the, the definition of experience is, It's when you, what is it, experience is what you got when you didn't get what you wanted. Uh, And yeah, and and I think, you know, having had the luxury of falling on my face a few times, you know, without the embarrassment of it constantly being there. I mean, maybe in the moment, yeah, people saw it, but they probably forgot it a month later.
0: That's actually something I've never really thought of, I think. Especially even stuff people post on, that's gone within... Most people have moved on to the next embarrassment, and we kind of dwell on those.
1: Oh yeah, well look at how many people have gotten in trouble for things they posted. Ten, well, was it Kevin Hart with the the Oscars thing? Oh yeah, uh, wasn't
0: that him? Yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's something I've actually found too. So like, I actually do this, and I have my own business as well. But I found that. As much as I hate the freaking mistakes <laughs> that you make, it's like it's kind of necessary because it gives you that feedback to like, hey, this is how you can improve it. And I'm sure you've probably seen that as a teacher, right? You kind of that's your job. It's like, here, I'm going to give you some feedback and kind of help you <laughs> avoid that embarrassment when you're actually out
1: yeah, in the when field. You're, when you're professional. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because that, and that's one of the things I always tell them, like, look, you're going to have to write. I don't care what your major is. I mean, even if it's just the letter to get the job, you're going to be writing at some point and you might as well learn to do it. And So, yeah, I always try and approach it. And, and I like to tell them, look, I, yes, I'm in the academy or the academe or whatever you want to call it, but I don't consider myself an academic because I spent, you know, 18 years basically slumming it. I
0: I, I honestly would, I think you're right. <laughs> I, I think that's actually why we're kind of hearing this battle cry right now of like don't go to college i'm not going to learn from someone that's just studied and then became a professor i'm like
1: well i think you gotta be look I, I was clearly not ready the first time around i was ready the second time. you know when i went back uh, i actually did go back a second time but i just got very quickly bored with it and went back to work and said that's ah, just i'm not ready for it yet but when i did finally go i was ready i was you know i knew Pretty much what I want to do, even though here again, I went from history to linguistics to literature and ended up in creative writing. So, you know, like I say, it wasn't even set in stone then, but at least I knew where I wanted to go with it. So that sort of determined what steps I took.
0: So you would say it's almost like you need to the timing's kind of important of when you go as well.
1: Yeah, uh, for me at least it was. I, I I mean, I know plenty of people who went right out of high school and you know, they're very happy with their lives, I'm sure. Um, but, uh, you yeah, know, it's, it's interesting. I just, like I say, I, I was not ready for that, to dedicate that time and energy it took to study things that, even though they might not have a direct connection with what I wanted to study, I knew I had to get them right. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, but that's it kind of goes back to, yeah, take a year off. Why not? You know, And, and this is one of the funny things, too, is I found over the years of teaching that the younger the student is, the bigger a hurry they're in. And you're the one with the luxury of time. <laughs> Like I, I've had plenty of students that would come into a class, and I would look at their initial write and say, "Look, you're not ready for this class yet. I think you should drop out, get your money back, go back, and and take a remedial class. I think it would help you in the long run." And the older students would go, oh, "Okay, sounds reasonable." And the younger, would, "Oh, I got to get it done now." It's like, oh, "Well, no, you're 19, you're 20. Yeah, don't worry. Yeah, statistically speaking, you got another 60 years to do it."
0: <laughs> no, I think I think you're right. That's Sometimes we kind of put that pressure on us, especially like where some people are like, oh, I need to graduate. I need to graduate. I need to graduate. Right. And
1: and that gets back to that thing that we get hammered with as kids. If you're not going to do it right, don't do it at all. Uh, well, I'm sorry. I don't buy into that. You know, uh, I think sometimes not doing it right is more educational than doing it right.
0: Well, how else are you supposed to learn if <laughs> no, no one starts out? just being like, even
1: here again, it's that turnaround jump shot. Exactly. You're going to throw a bunch of bricks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh,
0: no, I, I think you're totally right. I think that's, man, we just kind of took that full circle there too, but here's something I know this is totally off topic, but this has just kind of been on my mind. You've mentioned you were in creative writing. What, what is that? Like if you had to define that, What would be like your definition of creative writing? Well,
1: to me, creative writing, any art form simply takes what already exists and tries to fabricate it into something new or, or at least unusual, maybe not brand new because there's nothing. I mean, especially when you talk about writing. I don't know if you've ever heard this. What is it? There's seven different stories, basically. Everything you read is one of those seven. Oh, ten- isn't that
0: like the hero's yeah, man journey? Man against man,
1: the- man against nature, nature against man, man against. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, but you got like seven categories of story that everything fits into. Uh, yeah, whatever you read. But um, yeah, I think creative writing to me is is being able to, for me at least, share an experience, a personal experience I had with a reader. So when I, you know, and, and my, my thing up to this point has been mostly poetry. I mean, I do write short stories. I'm working on a memoir now about my, those years before I went back to school. And I've got a couple of other pieces of the works along that creative nonfiction type stuff. But the poetry to me is, is probably the one that I have the most fun with. Because it's like, I want to let the reader say, okay, either, yes, I've had that kind of experience. Or no, I never have, and I didn't you know, know what it was like. So I learned a little something about what it's like to, to go through this, whatever it is, a moment, an image, an emotion, whatever it happens to be. So that, that would be sort of my idea of creative writing. Uh, well, I say I, I, I talk about poetry mostly because that's what I was mostly involved in when I started writing. And I, I always loved the, the best definition I ever heard of, of what poetry is was a guy I met actually on a train ride and we were talking. Turns out he wrote poetry too. And he said, poetry is the history of the human soul. And I was like, yeah, that's like a great definition. <laughs> because if you think of it, history is the written record of a time and the human soul is what, what makes me what I am uh, as an individual. So yeah, when he said that, I said, man, you know, I've heard all kinds of definitions, but you nailed it better than anybody else I've ever heard.
0: I think, wow, that's, that is a good definition. I remember I, so I'll admit I wasn't that good of a, especially when the poetry unit rolled around in high school, I was not that great of a student I was like, what? This doesn't make sense. And I remember I actually had a teacher one time say you can interpret It's, it's you that interprets what the meaning of the poet, like what the poet meant and what he is trying to convey to you. And I'm like, although
1: I, I think my own stuff is, is a lot more concrete than others are, uh, which is kind of a a hard thing for me to deal with, but it's the only way I know how to deal with it. In other words, most of my poems are very rooted in in reality and and it's a lot of concrete imagery, that sort of thing. Uh, I I don't tend to get real ambiguous a lot. Uh, And that, I think, is a lot of what happens is, you know, students come into it and they hit something and it's like, wait a minute. I always use the example of proof rock, you know, the, the love story, the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock, and I always tell my students if I use it, I say, look, don't worry if you don't get it because those grad students still haven't figured this thing out, so you know, don't put more pressure on yourself than you need to, but it is a good piece of writing to understand the time that it came out of.
0: So I, I want to kind of ask, I mean, this is kind of a question that's been building up, I think, and... Uh, I think, you know, we've kind of been talking about some of these kids, right, they're trying to rush in, they're trying to, right, you've just talked about how maybe they're like, they come in with this thought, like, hey, this is how I'm going to do this, this way type of thing. And I'm going to use this as the intelligent question of the day, but how can you take the time to slow down and, you know, learn and go at your pace and find that ideal rate at which you can learn, grow as a person?
1: That's a good one. I think it's more the scheduling than it is the actual time. I, I think, in other words, and just here again, since I'm in, in classroom stuff, and you know, the research paper, for example, is the big thing everybody gets hung up on. I always show them a system. I say, look, my system is going to take you just as long as it would if you waited to the last minute. In other words, the amount of time you're going to spend is the same time, but it's spread out. So it's a lot less stressful. You know, most people wait until the last minute and then half the time you waste sweating the load, whereas, all right, I'll start here, I'll just do this now, spend a half hour or so doing this and then I'll leave it alone for a week and it just requires some pre planning, understanding, all right, I've got this deadline, let me start right now and get as far as I can or as far as I allow myself and then I'll let it sit and simmer and then I'll come back to it later and, and do that you don't always have that luxury i realize that i mean if you're writing like if you're in business and you have to respond right away okay that's a situation where all right i've got to turn it around quickly but even there i i always say look even if i got if i get home like in the afternoon and there's and i always use we have a son who's very severely disabled so i use him as sort of examples okay i get this letter from some state agency or you know, somebody's trying to deny us services or whatever. I know I have to respond right away. Even though I've only got a, maybe a 12 or 18 hour window, that piece of writing, whatever that response is, is gonna go through at least four changes. So I will immediately write my first response, I'll print it out, and then I'll just go have dinner or whatever. And then then I'll come back to it and look at it again and make some change. And then I'll go relax for a while. And then before I go to bed, I'll just look at it one more time. And then maybe I'll set my alarm 15, 20 minutes earlier than I might and get up and look at it one more time. So even though I I think I'm probably spending the same amount of time, but I'm, I'm divvying it up over several stages, which allows me the luxury of, here again, getting back to that edit without mercy, but also gets the job done in a timely manner. But most, I think most writing assignments we get, we know we've got a month or two months or, or a year or whatever. So it's just, okay, I'll start it now and then I'll leave it alone and come back to it. Yeah. Um, so I guess I, I, you know, for however much good that does, that's sort of my advice on that.
0: No, that's that's great advice. That Everyone that's listening right now, that is the intelligent answer today. That That's a great answer, I think, especially, I mean, you've mentioned how you can apply it to life in general and whether it's business or you know you're dealing with services that are being denied or whatever right it's a good it's a good skill to have and well yeah
1: and you think about it when you get a denial of something your first reaction is how dare you
0: <laughs> exactly
1: <laughs> which is everybody's reaction so i'll get that down and then i'll go back to okay i can't say this i can't say that i'm just gonna you know screw the proof on that how can i put it in terms of and I think the other thing, and this just came to mind, is something else I kind of preach when I'm talking about writing: is you're really writing for your own benefit. But the only way I get my benefit is if I give the reader a benefit. So I've always got to keep that in the mind: is how do I get what I want by giving the reader what he or she wants?
0: That's I think really that that last part especially too is sometimes you got to focus on other people in order to. Get what you want. And, oh,
1: yes. but in the end, I'm doing it for me. <laughs>
0: <I'm> <laughs> exactly right. Everyone. Yeah. So, man, I hate to wrap this up. I've, I've learned a lot from you and I'm sure the audience has learned a lot from you as well. But, uh, if they want to like find, like learn from you, or if they want to find some of your poetry, you mentioned a memoir that's coming out. What's the best way that they can find that? Uh, like reach out to you?
1: Probably a month or so away from finishing it up. I've been working on it for about a year or so. Um, hopefully I'm going to get it out by the end of the year. And then I'm actually going to get back to another memoir that was actually my creative thesis. Uh, and then I've got some other stuff that I'm trying to do. And I, I'll probably be coming out with another book of poems by next year too, I hope. Uh, but really that, that that email address of mine is the best way For people to touch base if they like but yeah generally if you just put my name in and and the poetry thing a lot of times although there is another bill cushing i know who writes uh, but he tends to do tv stuff tv reviews of course we have a james cushing out here as a poet too i don't know if we're related or not um yeah the name is not that uncommon really Uh, but yeah my 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 email address is probably the easiest way of people want to get information from me or like to get links to to I do have three books out now. Uh they're all poetry so obviously they're not they're not bestsellers. You don't you don't get into that market expecting to make a ton of money.
0: Uh, what what are the names of those three books you uh, mentioned? One is a
1: former life the other one is Music Speaks. And then my recent my most recent one which came out last summer is And it goes back to my journalism roots. It's called This Just In, uh, which, of course, is the tagline you always hear. And that one was fun because I I created it as kind of a poetic newspaper. Uh, In fact, the subtitle uh, was uh, um, A Poetic Journal of News Stories, Fake and Otherwise. Uh, uh, And this is the cover of it.
0: Well, that's cool. Yeah. And you can find this like in Amazon.
1: Yeah.
0: um, Okay. Sweet.
1: Why I say if anybody wants a signed copy, hey, I'll work out a deal.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So thank you for taking the time to come on today, Bill. This has been, I've learned a lot and thank you. So everyone that is Bill Cushing, as you can tell, he's a very intelligent person, has great things to say. He dropped some information there if you guys want to go check out some of his stuff. I challenge you guys, if you were interested in anything he said today, to go ahead and do that. Stay tuned until next week. We have a great guest lined up for you guys. See you guys next week, and let's get after it. Hey everyone, if you liked this episode and would like to hear more, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. We release a new episode every Wednesday for you guys to listen to. Thank you guys so much for the support that you give. We could not have done this without you guys. If you would like to be a potential guest on the show, check out intelligentconvos.com and fill out the form there. Thank you guys again, and let's get after it.